morning. Good morning. <laughs> I'm so glad to see you. Normally I'd say turn and hug your neighbor, but I won't do it this morning. I, um, it's so great to be back with you. You look great. So I know you can't touch each other, but maybe you can look at each other and, and just say something like, I'm hugging you right now. <laughs> Come on, let's pray together. I'm so grateful to God this morning for every one of you. And Father, we thank you that in this hour, as the church gathers, as we assemble ourselves together, and as those who are assembled online are assembling on Facebook, on social media, Lord, we're so grateful for you. We recognize your hand upon us. We recognize this is your hour, your hour for us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word that enables us to be what you've called us to be and to do what you have assigned for us to do. I thank you for those who are kept safe by your holy presence. And I pray for those, Lord, who have been impacted by this virus. I thank you, Lord, for your presence and your healing power, your sustaining power in the middle of this, Lord. We raise our, our brothers and sisters to you who have struggled with this process. And now, Father, I'm asking you that you would release your word that would prepare us to be the church in this hour, to do what you have indeed called us to do and to be what you have in, insisted and that what you describe that we are. Father, let it be so today in the name of Jesus. And we give you praise for that. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Look at somebody again and tell them, I'm hugging you right now. <laughs> you may have your seats. You may be seated. Boy, what, what an amazing time. I, we had, you know, it's been more than 100 days since we have been able to gather together. And it's kind of hard to believe that. But time passes so swiftly. In the midst of it, God has reshifted and reset so many things. He's, re he's reset our lives. Our lives will never be the same. Uh, since we have begun to observe what's happening even in the, in the nation and across the nations. And yet in the middle of it, God is speaking to us and we are his people, amen. And we are the ones that God is using, God wants to use, God desires to use in this time. Um, we have watched the violence. We have watched the pillage of the, vi of the virus. We have looked at what appears to be a surge. We know that more people who are being tested than the more, of course, who are discovered that they've been exposed to this disease. And so we are taking our precautions, but at the same time, we are not afraid. And I think you need to make that proclamation, I am not afraid, amen. I think it's important because it appears to me as I go throughout the city that there's a great deal of fear again as the media begins to report the increase of numbers. I want you to know that, and I'm gonna declare for you today that God, God is still, God is the one who still is in control. And I want him to be in control of your life. If he's in control of your life, I want you just to give him praise right there, even where you're sitting right there, while you're watching. I want you to acknowledge that God, God is the one who's in control. 
I, I want to I share, I want to begin sharing a, a, a series of messages with you to prepare us for what God is doing. Because the truth is, this is our time, this is your time, and we are living in, whether you understand it or not, your greatest hour, your greatest hour. From Galatians chapter 5, the word of the Lord speaks this morning from Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 where it, where it declares this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We were singing early this morning, freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. There's a lot being said about slavery today. There are statues being torn down that point to slavery. I have any association with slavery. There's violence across our nation. There's racial unrest. And we tend, if we listen to the, the, the voices, if we, if we tune our ear into the voices that are speaking the loudest, it would appear that we are in another race war. If we, if we are just a little bit tuned in to what's happening, we would think that, that we would hold people suspicious who are not like us or who don't look like us or who don't do things the same way that we do. I wanted to tell you today that Galatians, when Paul writes to the church in Galatia, he says, this is the reason why Christ set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And then he says to them, and I want you to stand firm in the freedom that Christ has given you and do not, do not allow yourselves to be burdened again with a yoke of bondage. And he goes on in verse seven, he says, you are running such a good race. You were living such a good life. You were doing good, but somebody cut in on you. Who is it that's cut in on you? to keep you from obeying the truth. What kind, he said, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you to freedom. Today, we celebrate, uh, well, yesterday, actually, this weekend, we celebrate Independence Day. Is that right? Fourth of July. I looked outside of my, uh, of my building and I, there was a haze of smoke, literally, all over the city. From, from 180 degrees that you can see, all downtown, all over Georgia Tech, all uh, on the west side to the, uh, from the west side to the east side was, was covered with smoke and I realized this smoke, it was not clouds. It was from the smoke from firecrackers that people were setting off. Like, I have never seen anything like it in my life. I, I, I looked out from the 28th floor and I, you could see you could see fireworks, a blanket of them going across the city. It was amazing. And it didn't stop, by the way, at 9, 10, 11, 12. It didn't stop at 2. It didn't stop at 3. They were still doing it. They were still firing it off. And I was up this morning, and they were still setting off firecrackers, you know, in commemoration of Independence Day, of the 4th of July. There are some who don't feel like you even should be celebrating Independence Day because they don't really uh, uh, relate to. There are those who are on the radical left saying, we, we, how would you relate to um, a nation that has treated you so bad, those of you who have darker skin tone? How would you, 
How would you even want to celebrate the 4th of July? And one of the reasons for the tearing down of the historical landmarks of this country and tearing down of statues is because of that, that philosophy, that vain, that vain thinking. Some of you may not even be comfortable with celebrating the 4th of July after listening to some of the things that we've heard. While on others, others of you, you are, you are exuberant on, on, on what's called Juneteenth, am I right? That's the 19th, am I correct? Uh, that commemorates when, when, when African Americans, when slaves, when black folks were, had been set free but were still in slavery for a couple of years and finally it was announced to them. Can I, can I tell, you, tell you something today? My brothers and my sisters, my, my, um, my brothers and sisters of color, my brothers and sisters who are concerned, considered white, my Latino brothers, my, my, my Asian brothers, can I tell you something today that, that whether you celebrated Juneteenth or whether you celebrated the 4th of July, you are not free until Christ has set you free. That true, you can say amen to that if you want to. True freedom from the scripture is not about ethnic freedom. It's not about cultural freedom. It's not even about civic or economic freedom. But true freedom from the scripture is about being free from the bondages that we grew up in. Free from the, from the inevitable curse that comes upon every person. Every person who is a slave. The Bible declares that every one of us are slaves without Christ. And, and to be a slave without Christ to, be, to try to live your life in a form of economic, governmental, economic freedom means nothing if you're still a slave within, if you're a slave to your own passions, if you are a slave to the things that bind you, that keep you afraid, slave to your own sins. The Bible says a man's sin a man will be held by the cords of his own sin. So it's possible today for you to be rich and still a slave. It's possible for you today to be successful and just be a successful slave. A slave to guilt, a slave to your passions, a slave to all the things that have kept you in bondage without Christ. And until you deal with Christ until you have received his forgiveness you're still a slave it's an amazing thing how many today who are declaring freedom have no freedom because true freedom is in Jesus Christ it's amazing Romans chapter 6 says you can be a slave to sin a slave to the passions of your flesh doing things that you are compelled to do, that you know hurt you, that you know pull you down, that you know destroy you. There are people today who are, who are enslaved. They're enslaved with all the habits of the flesh. They're enslaved, they're en they're enslaved to obey others. To o the Bible says that you can be a slave and you can be obeying those who you should not be obeying. There are people whose lives are connected with, to, to folks and they are being ob obedient to those that, hmm, who act like masters over their life. You can be a slave to impurity. 
You can be a slave to lawlessness. The Bible talks about in, in Romans chapter 6 and 19, those who are slaves to impurity and slaves to lawlessness. You can be a slave of another man. Well, there are those, you know, there are, you, you, I understand that Atlanta is number one for sex trafficking and they're treating individuals like they're slaves, confiscating them, hooking them on drugs and selling them for profit. You can still be a slave in a country that declares freedom. Slaves, you can be a slave to false gods, slave to things that are gods not at all. Gods that can't speak, can't talk, can't answer, cannot respond to you when you're in need. All they can do is soothe a passion, a passion which comes back again and you have to have it soothed again. You can be a slave to false gods. You can be a slave to corruption where your income is, is made by at the expense of somebody else's pain or somebody else's loss but you can't get away from the money, so you, you, you stay in that, in that process. You can be a slave to many, many things. The Bible declares that we all were slaves when we were without Christ, we were separated from Christ. When we were separated from Christ, we were separated from all of his covenant promises, all of his, his blessing, all of his protection, all of his forgiveness. When we, were, when we were away from Christ, the Bible declares that we were slaves and we were not free. The number one accusation today in heaven against the body of Christ are those who have come under the slavery of unforgiveness. There are many people who, who are not free because they are tormented or every time they think about the situation or the person, they are tormented with the pain of what happened, the pain of who did something to me, the pain of abandonment, the pain of, of, of mistreatment, the pain of abuse. You know how many people today are suffering under the slavery of unforgiveness? It's an amazing thing. I want to tell a story to you right quick this morning about forgiveness, and I'm, gonna, I'm asking God, that for every one of you who here, those of you that are online, those of you that are watching today, that you, that you step into the incredible, the enormous freedom that comes when you're in Christ. Jesus told a story one time, and I think it's worth repeating this morning. And, and, and his disciples, the Lord was talking to his disciples, and he was talking to, again, so many times, a crowd of people. And Peter came and he asked Jesus, he said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And then he said, up to seven times. And Peter said that because it was traditional um, and religious among, among the Jews that, you know, basically you, if somebody sins against you, you say, I forg and say, forgive me, you could do so up to seven times. But that was about it. After that, you know, all marks were off. Peter said, how many times Shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? You know how many people are enslaved to the pain of something someone did to them or should have done for them and didn't? Jesus tells a story to answer the question. And Jesus said, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When Jesus tells his story and he says, no, not seven times, seven times 70, it's, it's actually a Hebrew um, phrase that represents an innumerable amount of times. It means however many times you are injured, how many times, that's how many times you should forgive. As many times as you've been hurt and will be hurt, that's how many times you should forgive. And so the Lord says, let me give you an example. There was a king. And this king, he wanted to, he wanted to, he wanted to have an account of what his servants had done with his authority and with his money. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. And then he says, as he began the, the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to, to, to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Can you imagine? You have been entrusted with goods to make those goods multiply. Normally you take a profit from what has multiplied and the rest you give to the one who entrusted money for you to invest it in the first place. That's the scenario. And now the king comes back and says, okay, I want to make an account for everything that you've done. Let's see how you've done with the investment I've given you. And he said that he came to this one servant. He owed him 10,000 talents and he didn't have the money. In other words, he, he sold the goods, he took the profit, he spent the profit and, and, and didn't have anything to give back to the master who invested in his life in the first place. And so he said, okay, fine, I tell you what, get all your goods, all your possessions, your wife and your children, and we're gonna sell you into slavery, indentured slavery, where you had to work, you had to literally work off your debt. That's the kind of slavery they had in these days. Not the kind of slavery exactly that we had here in this country. Um, this was different, indentured servitude, indentured slavery. And the Lord said, that this man, this servant fell on his knees right before him and he said, be patient with me, please master, be patient with me. He begged him, please, please don't, don't, I'll pay you everything back. I'll give it all back. I'll, I'll find a way. I, I can gather up all that's been out there. I can, I can negotiate, but I'll give you what belongs to you. And the servant's master took pity on him cancel the debt and let him go. He didn't, only, he didn't just forgive him like I'll give you time to pay me back. Okay, I'll give you time to pay me back. No, he said I'm going to act like you owe me nothing. How many of you have ever had a debt canceled? Anybody have a, had a debt canceled? You came to had to pay it and you thought you, were, you had to pay it and all of a sudden you realized oh no, I see, you don't owe us. How does it feel for, for your debt to be I don't mean more time to pay it. I'm talking about it don't exist. Has anybody ever had that? If you've ever had that, I just want you to give praise right now. If you're online, man, there's nothing that feels like that. Nothing that feels that way. If I had time, I'd even ask you what the circumstances were. I saw many of you raise your hands. You've ever had a debt canceled. That's what Jesus said in his story 
the king who had the power of life and death over this servant, he canceled the debt. I'm talking about this. Not only did he, he didn't say, well, it's on the books and you don't have to pay me right now, but I'll give you another year and you can pull out a little bit out of your profits and you can, no. He said, canceled. To have a debt canceled is to act like you never had a debt in the first place. Jesus went on to tell the story. This master who took pity on his servant not only had mercy, but he had grace. And then he goes on and he says, but when that servant, listen at this, when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me. Pay me back what you owe me. He demanded that his fellow servant pay him back. But he refused instead. Actually, verse 29 says, his fellow servant fell to his knees. Have we seen that before? His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, please be patient with me. Please be patient with me and I will pay you back. There was not an argument as to whether or not he owed him. It was, the argument was time. And he says, please just give me time and I'll pay you back everything I owe you. But this fellow servant said he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison, put him in jail until he could pay the debt. Put the man in jail. His fellow servant, Jesus, is telling the story in front of his disciples who are having a problem with forgiving after a few times of being offended. And then the Bible says, then when the servants saw that he, what had happened, when the servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And when the master called the servant in, he said, you wicked servant. Same one he had canceled the debt for. He put a title on him. He said, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, the master turned him over to the jailers to be tormented until he should pay back every penny that was owed. Verse 35 is what I thought was amazing to me, and I believe that verse 35 has in it the power to bring tremendous healing. I believe the word of God has the power to bring healing to the racial divide. The, power, the word of God has the power to bring healing to your family divide. The word of God has power to bring healing between your, miracle, your marital divide, division. The word of God has the power to bring healing to your family. And the word of God has power to bring healing to your life, personally. This is what verse 35 says. This is how my heavenly father, Jesus said, 
will treat you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. Mm. Mm. So when Jesus told the story, it had to be shocking to his disciples to hear that because it was not religious. It wasn't polite. He said, here's the way forgiveness works in the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he said, this is a picture of the kingdom of heaven. This is the way the kingdom of heaven works. And he tells this story to give us, to ignite our imagination, to help us to see not only our personal responsibility, but our personal need. You see, unforgiveness creates a railing accusation against you in heaven. Unforgiveness that you hold in your heart is illegal in heaven, in God's kingdom, because God's forgiveness toward you is so great. It's so great that it costs God to forgive you. It costs God personally to forgive you. It costs God the life of his son. The one who's telling the story is the one who pays the price for you. The one who, who, who tried to explain to them, here's the way it works in the kingdom of heaven. You have been forgiven because you ask. And by the way, if you don't ask, forgiveness is made available, but you can't have it if you don't ask. Some of you need to beg. And Jesus said, illustrating his own life. He cancels the debt. This is what the suffering of Jesus does. He cancels the debt in your life simply because you ask him. But don't forget this. When someone injures you, here's the way Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, do you know this first? If you're online with us, you may know this first. Come on, let's say it together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the, the power and the glory forever I want you to consider that today right now consider whether you have been forgiven consider whether or not you have asked the Lord and if there's anything you're holding against anybody else the word is clear. Jesus said, if you do not forgive each other from the heart, your heavenly father will turn you over to the tormentors. This is not a place for you. Provision has been made for anyone who have wronged you, anyone who has mistreated you, anyone who has rejected you whether they are of your color or not, 
whether they're not in, whether they're or not they're in your family or not if they have injured you the word of the Lord is release them in the same way that you are released I want to I, I want to pray for you because it's possible today that you might be sitting there needing to ask God to forgive you I want to tell you when you do immediately God releases you you're watching with us you're looking with us you're gathered with us online I want to tell you that God's forgiveness for you for whatever you think is too great for him to forgive I declare to you in the name of Jesus that God's forgiveness is readily available for you just ask him and believe him and then confess it is so would you do that in fact you might want to bow your heads today those of you that are online you may want to pray with me it's a simple act what a story we don't want to be like the one who held something against somebody else when God holds nothing against us. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you poured out your wrath on your beloved Son, Jesus, for us. For every sin, every rebellion, every word, every deed that did not please you, for a nature that was against you, we thank you that Jesus, he died for us. His blood was shed for us. I pray, Lord, for these now who pray. Lord, would you allow your forgiveness to come? May they know in their heart, may they have confidence in their heart that your forgiveness is real. And that your forgiveness is because Jesus has paid the price. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for that, Lord, your grace would be upon each of us to forgive those who have injured us, that we might be agents of reconciliation. I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name, and amen. And everybody said amen. For those of you that said, I, needed, I need the Lord to, um, I need the Lord to forgive me, I need... I need God's forgiveness. Without any shame, without any fear, I, I don't want you to come down here today. I, I think what I'd have you do, because we want to pray for you, is just to simply to stand in your seat and say, Lord, I, I need the Lord's forgiveness. I, I ask for that today. I want you to stand in, in the name of Christ, and I want you to know that in your standing, God hears you. He hears you. He will do exactly what he said. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, for those who are listening, those who are watching, and those who are standing. Come on, pray with me. Just say what I say if, you, if it's all right with you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I acknowledge I need forgiveness. Forgive me, I pray. I believe because of Jesus, that you keep your word, that you do forgive me. And I confess now that Jesus is my Lord 
and I receive him and I thank you. Amen. Amen.